0: You you must develop a culture of excellence. You must develop it if you want to be on top of the game. You cannot be the top guy. I know a lot of people might look at people and say, oh, "All yeah, these guys are not really working hard and whatnot and whatnot." Yes, but there must be something that this person is great at that is keeping him at that top.
1: Hello, guys. You are welcome to the Listening Sessions podcast a show about the music industry, its players, and the game. My name is Obina Agu, music businessman and your host. Today we have a heavyweight, um, a, a, a real music executive, somebody who's um, really invested in, in the industry and the business of music. Um, he's the CEO of Aristocrat Group and... Um, of course, owners of Aristocrat Records. I'm sure you guys know that. Um, amongst many other businesses. Yes, PD. So. Hello. You're, you're, you're welcome.
0: Thank you for... Thanks for having thank me. Thank you man. for Thanks coming for on the me. show. Thank, thank you. Thank uh, you I, very much. Uh, how are you doing today? Um, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, another year mm-hmm. in, the, in the music business. Winding <laughs> down. Um, looking forward to the end of this year wrapping up the year you know december is like our usual hectic hectic period yeah events and everything and then starting the new year with a lot more new music and a lot more trailblazing and pushing things a bit further further and everything so yeah looking doing good awesome 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 so um i wanted to start
1: this with um something interesting that i discovered Many of our listeners may not know this, but um I'm aware that you started out producing music, yeah, writing music, yeah, even rapping. So, I tried, um I, tried <laughs> that one.
0: I didn't really I wasn't really too good at
1: that. <laughs> uh, please, could you um tell us um how you went from wanting to be an artist to wanting to
0: start a label? Um I actually it was a bit of um it, it bit kind of happens simultaneously actually um as you said a lot of people don't a lot of people see me and think i'm just the business person like, i have no me too yeah it, like, i have <laughs> no um, creative or whatnot but I, I actually think i'm more of a creative than even a business person i think i'm, I'm a bit too even vested in the creative and the music and the what not um, than that, and that's b- primarily because I actually started out as a producer, um, so when the music bug um, hit me um, when I was in like um, the, my first year I moved to America my first year in, in university and all that um, I, when I just I got fascinated by the whole industry, I would sit down watch a lot of behind the music documentaries um, I think and then just read a lot try to understand a lot about it and then I would look back at Nigeria and say like wow we're so far behind and I felt like mm-hmm. well this is going to happen eventually that we're going to get, kind of get back um, into that space and then I dived into um, producing Fruity Loops and all that um, I had I started producing with a with a friend of mine because I was not I was great at melodies but I wasn't really great with the drums and everything when mm-hmm. he was good with, with the drums so we kind of team, teamed up and whatnot and I would do the melodies and I would start writing Well, I'm doing when I'm doing a, a, a song I would write something to it um, so when I met my partner Kaede, um he was a rapper I would do a song I would have the hook I would pitch it to him he would write the verses and then I think now our, our first song um, I even did the hook on it and then he did he did the wow the verse and all that. And so we we um we built like I we kinda grew like that. Um, but I always knew that it, even while I was doing the production part and writing and um just everything in the music space. I was also manager. I at first I was gravitating more towards being a producer. Um, then I had a car accident. Well, my, my system, my, my computer actually crashed. Um, and then I put it in the, my trunk to go fix it. I was, I'd wasted time. And well, one day when I was driving to work in America, I had a car crash. And that totaled the car and totaled the system. So there was no recovery. Wow. So in that period of um, reflection, I kind of <laughs> asked myself, because I had 90 beats on the system, a bunch of songs that I had written. I asked myself 90 bit man, yeah. You were you were in this Oh yeah I was not I, I was 100% in, in it and everything Wow I, I was even teaching Other producers How to Use fruity loops But again When I was doing that A friend of mine Bernard That I thought I was teaching How to use And he was better than me <laughs> So I was like ah, What's going on here So um, When that When that accident Happened And I was in this Period of reflection I kind of sat back And asked myself um, What Are you well, like, what's your role in this space and whatnot? Like, what is it that you're that you're doing better than everybody else? You're a producer, but you're not obviously obviously you're not the best producer because people you're teaching are moving far ahead. You're you can write, but you're not the best writer because maybe it takes you longer to write and everything. But in terms of like putting it together, um, getting the writer, putting every, just putting the, putting together, being like a manager, I was far superior to. Everyone, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to go down that route and <laughs> everything, and then pursue that. Um, but I always, I always give, I always say to my partner now, too, who has left the music thing and is now an execu- executive. I, I always say that, um, we had to go through that because now that when we're in the studio with artists or when we're working with um, with uh, creatives, we, we can see it from their part point yeah. of view and whatnot and we're not just coming in as guys with checkbooks. You know, we actually are creatives yes. too. We understand that part of the business and everything. And it also helps with you, you probably would see that in the um kind of artists that we work with and everything is like we, we appreciate the creativity, the effort, the talent and um the it's it's part of being um, who we are and everything but as i said it's it's that whole process of um, of producing and writing and singing and whatever is it's it's a necessary it was a necessary process for me and I, I always attribute it to why we are successful at being able to create the kind of music that we do so did you did you have the aristocrat name then yeah oh wow i actually had it since i was um 15 or 16 when I was in um, SS two or SS three, yeah, some yeah, SS three or so. It was like I uh, I um it came for for me. started I even said I was supposed to be like a club type thing. Uh, when I was in school, because um in Port Harcourt, where which is where I grew up and where I went to secondary school and everything, there was a particular type of culture ar- amongst the uh, secondary school very violent very (laughs) streets whatnot and i just wanted to create something that was that and everybody was in one group or one gang or something like that so i wanted to give some i wanted to give people um people like me somewhere they could go to where it wasn't about all that that violence and all that whatever and everything so i was like no i'm going to create that so that's how it actually started and then when i went to university um, and I started getting into business and whatnot. That name was just always stuck in my head. So I didn't say, you know what, I'm gonna Aristocrat records, aristocrat this, aristocrat that. And um that's how we we came up with that and everything. But it's it's been it's been um there for for a long time. Wow. Yeah. So after you decided that you wanted to start
1: your own yeah. label, what was your next line of action?
0: Um First it was okay, so I was moving back to Nigeria. Um, I had a a a, um, a chat on, was on Facebook. I would always chat with like um, music executives. I would that's, and I would, every time I had the opportunity to like research in school, I would pick something music and Nigeria related. <laughs> so I think I had messaged Obi Asika at one point in time. I even messaged Awoju at one point in time. Um, I had a friend called Latte. Latte was. Um, yeah, X, um, Excel, Excel music, Excel music, and everything from Potako to, and I was speaking to him, and Latter was like, "Yeah, this thing is about to, um, really take off, and he thinks it's a good time to come come back in and get into the into the business and everything." And I was like, "Cool." I was just done with my first degree. Um, I started working, and nine to five life was was not <laughs> what I I thought at first. I was like, "You know what? I'm going to work." I would have enough money to start my label on the side. But the long work hours and the driving and commuting in America just wasn't giving me the opportunity to do that. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to move back to Nigeria and build this foundation. Um, I think I was, I was supposed to be doing law. So I was supposed to go back to law school. So I was like, I'm going to come back because um, I wanted to be a sports and entertainment lawyer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but in America, you have to do like an undergrad in anything first. So I had done my undergrad working moving back so i was going to come back to nigeria do five years set up this foundation um of aristocrat in nigeria and then come back and do my law masters at a at a later date or whatever but um as you as everybody can tell i didn't (laughs) i didn't go back so um moving back to nigeria um i I felt like i already had a a sound in my head that i was that was a um a, that cuts across my generation, the the that that was more globally accepted. Um mm. that because for us, as I said, when we were doing it in America, we got nominated for the um made in edition for of the NEA, NEA Awards um for a song we did called Show Your Body, which had like a fusion of Afro reggae, dancehall, whatnot. So still very yeah. strong lyrically and if you if you Afro reggae dancehall, you can see where yeah that
1: yeah that, led that whole me. fusion
0: yeah that whole fusion whatever. So I, I had that sound in my in in already that we um were working on where it was like a bit of Afro a bit of Caribbean singing rapping type thing um, and I was like yeah this is a the sound that I want to kind of build this around. Um, came back to Nigeria in two thousand and nine. Um, I started scouting for artists. At my first year, I was in in Abuja. Um, I met some guys. I'm sure today they will tell you that, oh they're one of the first artists Aristocrats wanted to <laughs> sign um, in Abuja. I can't remember their name right now, but um, met some cats in Abuja. Um, I was there for a whole year. In 2010, I moved to Port Harcourt, um, and then. But while I was settling in looking for artists dealing with opening bank account in nigeria just acclimatizing i was just kind of getting familiar with um the whole scene and everything um looking for where the money is going to be coming from Mm -hmm. and whatnot that was a a a key thing for me um i think but by the end of 2010 i was well situated and i was like you know what i really need to find an artist and get this thing going and everything and i need to find a producer and get this thing going and i moved to portaco i was in portaco then um a friend of mine um that was a business partner was like oh there's this guy that just moved back from the uk um you should go check him out he's pretty good and whatnot i was like oh what's his name they say he's oh, shotty shorty guns i was like okay cool. <laughs> shorty guns, shorty guns i was like all right oh, wow. cool. I'll, I'll check him out um i was like producer they said oh there's one guy lyric i was like okay cool i'll check him out and everything um I was having my birthday party and somebody then brings so-called shorty guns um to me, came to me, was speaking in the British accent, and I was like, Who is this? <laughs> so that, that day I actually just like, I beg, mean, I don't have time for this one <laughs> and whatnot. Um then the next day I was speaking to somebody again. I was speaking to the guy that first of all referred me to him i was like, guy, I'm still looking for somebody that I haven't this thing. He was like, Oh, this guy, give him a call and whatnot. Pick up the phone, call the guy um and he says i've been waiting for you to come (laughs) and whatnot i was like okay cool like let's meet up where are you like at this studio and blah 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 like i'll get i'll come down there drove down to the studio that night um it's like a job boys a job boys entertainment their studio in in portaco i can't remember the part of portaco but it's like it's old portaco town i think um and then met this guy it was big guy um At that point in time he was considering changing his name to burner boy Mm. um met him got into the studio he played some songs for me the first song he played for me was a song called um freedom um and i was already you were sold. i was sold on the spot he he looked the part um he sounded the parts he had a fusion that i was looking for which was um but in this case, he did everything. So when we were in in, um, in in when I was in America, Kylie would do the rapping, singing thing. Taiwo would do the patois, rapping thing. But it was almost like I found one guy that just embodied everything that we were doing in wow. in America, and I was like, he could rap, he could sing, he would freestyle and whatnot, and again and again. He so he then he also looked like a star. Yeah. Hmm. and this is like when you meet him from the first moment and everything and he plays and the freedom Song, like, I then asked oh who produced this song he was like oh it's one guy called Lyric." so that's the game the theme popped up again uh, and I was like I need to meet this guy because if, when your name pops up that many times that's like a sign um, and then I go meet Leric. um, I take both of them to where the studio in Port Harcourt is going to be um so I actually, okay. both of them were not working together at the time they had worked together okay they had done like one or two songs together okay um so i think when bernard came back to, to to nigeria to port harcourt he was looking for a producer somebody said go check this guy out so he was the first producer he went, he went to go work with and everything and the first song they did was freedom so they had laid down like two songs when i when i met and they were going to do more songs Mama. together and I was like you know what I met Larry. Larry was at the place where he wanted to transition out of what he was doing Yeah, Bernard was at the place too where he was looking for someone to kind of take on and work with him and all that and even as back as that time his mom was his manager because I know the first day I, m- I met him and we discussed he was like yeah his mom is his manager all I have to do is let's just go see his mom so that same night that I met him we drove to his house in JRA where his mom was sleeping Uh, Because it was really late at night. I was like, you know what? I'll come the next day. Um, So going to see Leric. Then going to see Mrs. Ogulu. Um, Again, this is me. No record label. Just with the mind that I want to do this. So I had a proposal down on paper about what I wanted to do. Um, At that point in time, I think Timaya was trying to sign him. Uh, Oh, really? (laughs) Timae was trying to sign him. Terry G was trying to sign him. Um, I think she was also speaking to a lot of people in Lagos out here like different labels trying to just as a manager trying to shop mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for the best deal and everything and I went up to her and said um, you see with all these people that that are trying to sign him I'm like they're great they probably have more experience more network and everything than me but for me this guy's my first artist and if he fails it means I fail so you're better off putting him with me with me than you're putting him with a Now Music or a um, DM Records because tomorrow will try. And if he doesn't succeed, you'll uh, move on to the next. And But with me, I believe in this. I see how far I can take it. I can see how far I can go. Um, so yeah, I don't have anything right now, but I'm setting it up. And I'm going to win with him. <laughs> wow. Um, and I think that was the... I don't know if she might, might have a different reason why, but <laughs> I think that was the, for me, that's the real reason that at that point, anybody would should have gone with me um, as an artist and whatnot, because I'm new in the game. I'm hungry. I'm ambitious and I want to win. You know, I, I was living a, a different life. I could, I didn't have to be in the music business. I could have maintained doing oil and gas business or whatever, something else. But I had I, I had the option to do that, but I was like, you know what? I didn't want to be in an industry that I couldn't break ground, that I couldn't have an impact. Yeah, I couldn't leave his, make a history or whatnot because I don't think, um, personally, like I don't think I'm on this earth to just mark the register that he came and passed and some people knew me and whatnot. I, I think I have a a bigger purpose and a bigger calling to be able to um create this platform that can shed light on these talented individuals and whatnot to be the lights i was Mm -hmm. i'll put it that way where it's like i think it's more sometimes it's um people don't understand the the gift or the blessing of being the light where you can shine on people and elevate them and do things like that so and i and I, I understood that from an, um, an early stage that like, you know what I want to build something that can do that for for the young people out here um, in music but in other areas, areas too so like with that mindset I, I, I don't think you're it's hard to be defeated hmm. I, Wow
1: so um, given that you were new to the label business in Nigeria I mean what, what was your plan to help Boy break into the mainstream?
0: Um I wanted to build a unique fan base. I wanted to build a fan base. Okay. When we were, when, when we were in America, we, I used, everything we did was on Facebook. It was very digitally focused and whatnot. We would... Um, so because African music wasn't popular then, that's how we infused the reggae, Caribbean thing into it. And then we would start... We used to do these um, house parties in Oklahoma called Reggae Fest. And at those parties, we would then play our uh, music. And I saw how we took it from those house parties... And those that reggae festing became like a big Same. thing in America and hmm. everything. And this was from Facebook, personal networking, and everything like that. So, um, meeting Berner, I wasn't thinking about it, doing it in the traditional way and whatnot. A little bit of um, naivety because I'm coming from America yeah. and internet and all those things are not really. Yeah. So, Berner's first, um, his most, his first core fan base were like nigerians in the uk because we did a lot of promo online okay i did a lot of focus online and we definitely we did we're doing the mixtapes and whatnot so we did it that organically and that's what i was looking at i also had in mind that i'd so i seen what um donka mighty had done i seen what timaya had done where they were big from a particular region from it looked it looked like that way from the outside at the time I was coming back in like oh my and Don Kamaiti were Portal Court guys that conquered Portal Court and yeah. then it spread over to the rest of the country so also I had a, a strategy of we're going to dominate and be number one in Portal Court so even our in the entire first year that we we're doing music where we're putting out the mix-up and everything we never came to Lagos never one time came to Lagos and it was a it was a known like a deliberate attempt to be in Port Harcourt and to become number one in Port Harcourt. So it was online and then dominate your local scene and build that. Um, and we did do that. I beg, I beg, I beg. Biggest song.
1: It today. definitely worked. Yeah. It definitely... Because I I, I don't think um, I... um Bonner was in Lagos when I started hearing about him. Exactly. You know, and so I would reach out to my friends in PH, PH. and say, yo, who is this, this dude? Guy. You know, exactly. so the, the, the plan definitely worked. How How raw was he or how ready was he how much artist development did you need to do
0: Brenner was very if, if anybody that knows bernard is extremely extremely talented but at the point where i met him was still developing um a lot of artists like the one thing a lot of artists don't know is that you there's a developmental stage for your craft absolutely and he was going through that i still remember the first till today the song called special effects that was the first song that um, I can remember that night Larry called me and was like oh Bernard really tried though today he actually finished a song bridge chorus verses all in one go mm. because he started he was in a, he was coming from a bashment music freestyle place so and he also was he, and he's still that way and he would always wait for something to inspire him like something would have to happen to him that would inspire him for him to go into the studio and then do that. So it, it, he had a very weird way of recording. Um, one of the first things we did, I beg, I beg, I beg. He only had the hook and we had to wait about three, four months. Wow. But we knew, we knew it was a hit because we would always play the, the song. I was like, that's a big song. That's a, but we didn't have verses and everything. He just had the hook. But he had to wait until something happened to him. Somebody pissed him off one day. Uh, or somebody talked about him or whatever, and he came into the studio and recorded the verses. So that was usually his way of kind of working, which was very talented, extremely talented, but the structure wasn't there yet. Um, then kind of, Lyric, again, was, had to help a lot with that in terms of building and learning and like putting that structure in place. Mm-hmm. Like I can remember when we were doing, um, this is like years down the line, when we were doing Redemption, and I've now seen, I'm in the studio with Bernard, and now he's, He's learned how to like write everything in his head and then do it all at once, and I'm like, wow, this guy has developed so far. So far, and then you go take that into outside, you take that into African Giant, and you're seeing that. I think outside from me, um, between Redemption and Outside, was his, where he fully developed his sound and understood his sound and whatnot. Those two projects kind of helped him mold that, and this African Giant is now like the. Reflection of the coming of age, like okay, those two projects it, outside again was a bit experimental, if you ask me, because we, we delved into a lot of sounds. You mm. had the um, Lily Allen, you had the um, Devil in California, they're different, and Brenner is capable of doing all that at a high level. But yeah, I feel pulled us back to this is the core mm. and whatnot, and he has been doing that. Afro Beats this modern day what I say, what they call modern day Afro Beats since it's first mixtape there's a song wow. on the first mixtape called Afro Beats Freestyle and whatnot. and you can if you hear it now and then you go you come down to like listen to um, anybody you'll be like oh wow this guy has you can see he's been on this for a yeah, while and you can then also see the growth in the delivery in the in the content just everything is just more on point <laughs> on on um, on that mixtape, he had Shank,
1: he had, um, Soskate, you know, LOS. How was he able
0: to land those type of collabs was that second. Time? So that was a second mixtape. And as oh, you, okay. Like, yeah. So as you said, um, being in Port Harcourt and being the guy in Port Harcourt, like for instance, NATO C came one, I think on the first of, um, 2011 or something like that for a, a show, and when artists come to the town they want to know what's yeah, happening, who, who is, is hot, hot and true. whatnot and so and again when when he then also was the hot artist in Arcot, any show that happened he would be He'll, the mm, the Port Harcourt true, guy true. there so true. people would then recognize him so you like meeting Wande Cole, meeting um meeting shank or meeting sauce kid or meeting david O, meeting all those guys was from them coming to portarcourt and discovering that oh this guy is the guy that is dominating this place, and he then has dope music. Um, the first time we ever came to Lagos was because of David. Um, David came to potako for a club gig um, at X Lounge, and after that, we went to the studio. They recorded a song called Trumpets. He played us Dami Duro, said that was going to be his next single, and they were going to shoot the video, blah, 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 that Brenna should come to Lagos. And I was like, from at that point, we're still in our but not going to lagos for yeah just yet we are just yet and everything um but we we're like you know what okay let's go for david and everything he showed us love he's doing well in this thing we like back when back when was really doing well he came in his energy was great so we then moved to came to lagos but it was the the, the collaborations came from these guys the los guys of course they are the are, they are, they are online the yeah, guys yeah. Are, those, those ones are in, in our on- online space um, the bigger guys like Sausage and everything were just fans of the music and whatnot. So and they reached out and we reached out to them and they they did it. Sean came to Port Harcourt, he jumped on the song. Um, that song was done in like ten minutes or even less.
1: That is actually one
0: of my favorite Bonner Boy songs well, till till date. I can remember that song. Like it was done in like I, I don't think it was up to ten minutes. A uh, friend like me, it was just bam bam. Both of them just went went at it and everything like that. So. Um, it, it, that's, that's how it happened. It was, just, it was just purely people recognizing the talent. So meaning the strategy worked very well. Yeah, it did. I, I think it did. Um, I also think, again, when we came to... Another reason why I was saying we can't come to Lagos, we didn't want to come to Lagos, is that um, when you're coming to Lagos, when you're... The, the question is, who are you? You know, there are a bunch of young and upcoming artists in Lagos. What are you going to use to distinguish yourself from everybody else? At that point in time, we could come in and say... We were the hottest guys in Port Harcourt, and we and we firmly could say that comfortably because that year the biggest award show in Port Harcourt was the Odudu Awards. We won all the. awards, like five awards: the <laughs> Artist of the Year, best song, and whatnot. So it, it, you could come, you come to Lagos with in, with confidence and say, "Oh, Port Harcourt, I'm the number one guy." And
1: PH has quite a vibrant music scene, see, so, so it's a big deal. Yeah,
0: so so it was an. Duncan was big then, Potaco Boy, and all the things were happening there. So it was a, for us, it was a, it, was a, it was a worthwhile achievement, something that we had to own before we went to, came to the next step, which was Lagos. And coming to Lagos six months down the line, Life to Party happened. So I, I think it was, it was very intentional. Um, and of course, before we came, um, shout out to people like um, Big Time on Rhythm yeah. that just loved the music, heard the music. I started playing the music on radio. I think Big Shout out to Big Time. Big yeah. Time is a
1: real one, for yeah, real.
0: No, for real, for real. Um, he would play like Touch Your Toes every afternoon on rhythm for like, from, from like, it was about from, from <laughs> six months plus, straight, supporting the music, so push, putting people onto it and everything. So, and this is from just the work we were doing. Like I said... Hmm. Uh, in Port Harcourt, doing our thing, trying to trying to do that. And I I said the, the way the naivety came was I felt like once we conquered Port Harcourt, it was going to automatically springboard and happen by itself that we didn't we didn't even have to come to Lagos and do anything. But it was Timaya that I sat down with and when I sat down with him and he told me that oh no when he was when he was coming up the reason why is because he had a marketer in Lagos doing those things doing for those him. things for him. So you cannot do it from here like you still need to be present there you need to go there and whatnot people will hear you people will feel you but for you to really go there you have to for you to really take over be there you have to go there so that's why we then made the move to to mm-hmm. Lagos. well so so back then you knew
1: you signed a really
0: talented dude
1: but um at what point did you feel like wow this is going to pay us this is going to be
0: huge when i signed them <laughs> <laughs> oh nice. Yeah, when I signed him I, I didn't like I, I remember I was speaking to somebody in um um someone that was doing um a he had a South African partnership with a brand called Head Oncho, and he was asking me, okay, what's the plan? I was like the first album is going to be this and I was like I I, I this was in two thousand eleven. Yeah, it's so about twenty eleven. I told him by I was like, Brennan's second album will be an international album. That was the mindset I had. I didn't. I never did. I never felt like um, we had a song called Rockstar. He ended up releasing the song Rockstar. Um, it would have been on Life, but it was too far ahead of his time, and the sound at that point in time would have gone over a lot of people's heads. So we actually saved saved that song. I was like, okay, we're going to keep it for the more international album. So we already were looking at that and saying we're going to win MTV, EMAs. We're going wow. to do this we're going to do that so we didn't I, we never came in with the vision of um it wasn't going to be successful or whatnot it's like i i saw him i thought he had what it took and um the music was there the the strategy that we that we were coming up with was there so it was like i didn't see why it wouldn't work the
1: did you have other talents signed to the label at the time
0: um not immediately not until um 2012 before we moved to lagos yeah. when we were moving to lagos when we started signing um more artists um we started with um with, with burners i think for the, our first year but well, i think by the time we had done the port harcourt domination strategy um and we were about to move to lagos that's when i started thinking about okay we need to then grow and build the label out and then i'd met a couple artists along the line um Pocado, who actually started out as um Brothers hype man
1: mm-hmm. he actually started
0: out as our what you call a studio rat um that would be there go get diesel do this do that just run around was it was wanting to be in the wanting to be in the business um then a guy um then I also met a guy called um Ozone um Ozone was like a battle rapper that was winning all the battles in Covenant and beat <laughs> FM, wow ninth of the living djs and whatnot i was very good friends with lyric so i met the two of them um so those were the first two that we kind of put kind of joined our team before before officially even getting signed um then there was a guy called mojid that um i knew of in america um, ex- exceptionally, exceptionally talented rapper, and what he is, he yeah. is. Um, so him too. Then um, I was watching Project Fame. I don't know what I was in Abuja watching Project Fame at one time, and there was this outside kid, um, Kamar, that I saw on Project Fame, um, played the guitar, singing R and B and whatnot. And then I, I was online one day and I saw Ice Prince tweet at him. And I hit him up and I was like, oh, I remember you. I know you come, come through. Because again, I felt like he had a very unique um, First, One being from the north, that sound was not really, really represented. Mm-hmm. And then again, he was now doing like R&B yeah. type music. So yeah, those were the first um, four guys that we, that we followed with Philip Bernhardt. Okay. Okay. So um, in 2014, the,
1: the media was awash with, News of um, Bonner Boy leaving aristocrat records. What, what was the cause of the split?
0: It wasn't a split. That's the funny thing that a lot of people don't understand is okay. that um, his contract with us actually expired or came, came to an end in 2014, May 2014, and whatnot. So um, by December 20, 2013, we had started trying to renegotiate terms, and we did not just come to mutual terms and he decided that he was going to go out and do his own thing um and then we decided you know okay we're going to just continue on his own but like um a lot of people would want to look for drama and mm-hmm. whatnot and put words into our yeah person's yeah that oh and whatnot and everything but it, there was that's a, that that was the thing a lot of people didn't don't, don't understand that there was never technically a split it was contract was up tried to try to renew and extend couldn't come to the couldn't come to the mutually agreeable terms then he decided to move on on his own okay so but um
1: drawing from that whole thing um did you learn anything about contracts and um, timelines and and you know so so sometimes it 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 could take some time yeah. you know so and um the artist isn't going to care you know if so, the time is up the time is up but so it's
0: it's a it's a it's a thing that I'm still kind of um looking at and I don't think we have the perfect answer for that in this in the Nigerian industry yet yeah because here Labels are expected to take an artist from zero to, like a label properly from zero to superstar. In, let's say in America, it's usually the artist is independent, builds traction for himself, then gets signed to a label. Here, but because the artists are not able to do that, they then, we labels have to come in early, in the early days, and build them to that point where they should now get signed to a label. So a lot of labels here are more of them like artist development houses per se. Because there are there are no it's not like there are not that many artists that have built a career for themselves from scratch. There are some there are mm-hmm. actually there are a lot of them but labels usually go for the so for me we in like to 2016 after going through that process a couple times, we we're like, you know what, we need to actually start looking at artists that have done a bit of legwork themselves. themselves. So you then come in at a point where you can take it from there and maybe do it for three or four years. And then you, then the con- this, this, this contract issue of artists living and all those mm-hmm. little technicalities of it, you, you run out of time. Yeah. You don't really run into that in that, exactly. in that situation.
1: Oh or, oh, oh, um. Using another approach, do you think it's going to work if um, labels start to act like um, VCs and then the talent is the startup and now it's not about four years, five years. We are partners, you know, we're we're, we're doing this. I'm going to continue to offer financial help and um, other type of um, help and I think, we're, 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 we're just in this.
0: I think that that could help Um, and it should... I, I, I would even think like it should be more of that where even so in terms of like so now what we find we is like you're in this market where you have to develop an artist to this point and by the time you have develop in that point you've maybe spent three four years and it's time it's an unfair model so, yeah it's an unfair model so moving to that model the one you describe will be more beneficial but then it is it is tough to find artists that would understand that you are a startup, or you, we are, we have to treat it that way, mm-hmm. and whatnot. It, I think it would be way, way fair, and whatnot. But in, when when you do things like that, you're talking about you then own the, you co-own the name, exactly. You co-own everything, and you're, it's like it's, it's, and you're a shareholder, you're shareholder in that startup. In that, in that startup, and it's, it's not more like I'm signing you as an artist. So it's, and uh, creatives get a bit funny when they see stuff like that. That's just the only thing that I would know. But I, I actually feel like that's more what it should be. Um, but again, as I said, people will, will be a bit wary. But again, if, if you're a VC and you're speaking to a startup, you tell them, you know what, this is the value I'm bringing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can keep 100% of your, of your ownership, your name, your music, and whatnot. And 100%, and you can build value up to 100 million. But if you work with me, we can build value up to 200 million, and you own 50 of that and i own 50 percent of that in perpetuity exactly but it's a it's a it's a hard sell i guess my only thing is a hard sell to get the artist to do that wow
1: okay so um in, in so bonner leaves aristocrats records mm-hmm. but the label had a few other promising acts, like um like I mentioned Pocado, Majid, who I remain a a a, a, big a, a, a big fan of you know um ozone and of course lyric um why does it seem like the label lost the fire to you know push these guys after Burner's departure
0: um i don't think I don't think we lost the fire. I think the honest of there there are multiple multiple ways to look at it um one. There are very few labels that I would say your first uh, your first signing is successful mm-hmm. and successful to the, to the to the to the in the line that Burner is so that sets a, a a standard for everybody else that has to follow. So everyone now anybody everybody else that was signed to Aristocrats was was always being compared to Burner, the first guy, the first guy. Um, that's unfair because we had our time to develop. Brenner Bruno had the time to do his two mixtapes. Yeah, that's the time nobody was away from the eye of the public. Of the public, but mm. now Aristocrat was now a prominent developing right before eyes. eyes, and we're now developing these guys. And then the pressure and the talking and everything would get to because what we did um, in 2014 is like what any record any record label would do. You have a, a roster of artists; they all, all, everybody was made to do a project. I don't do singles and whatnot. And i like, everybody do your EP, do your, do your mixtape, put it out. We'll see what traction that gets. Then we know who to focus on and what you, that's just the developmental, mm-hmm. developmental process. Um, and everybody did that. And the two, the two guys that stood for, stood out were Mojid and Ozone from their projects. Got get it getting online, Twitter. And I'm, I'm not talking about like radio and whatever, yeah. but the same way we did burn away. We put out a mixtape. We, we saw the growth, and we put out another mixtape and we saw the growth to the we built to the point where he dropped singles that went went mainstream. We're doing the same thing with these guys, but we're aristocrat. We don't we, we didn't get the the um, the I didn't get the privilege to develop them the way I developed Burner. So it's now like uh, everybody's like, oh, when will this one blow? When is this ah, this one is not this, this one is not that, this one yeah. is not this. And I'm like after a while I was like I wish I could. I wish I had the opportunity to develop these guys out of the limelight. True. And without true. the aristocrat name and Burner over their head. Yeah. Um, it would have been a lot more easier to do that. So that was one perspective of it. Again, when we came in with Burner, it was not, we were not aristocrat, We were just some guys from Portaco. The brand name wasn't there and mm-hmm, everything. So mm-hmm. um, radio and TV were treating us just based on the merit of oh the music is nice and what not and what not. When um, I successful all of a sudden you're looked at successful and um, everybody's hands are out. That's how I'll leave it as that. <laughs> uh, and then when you're not putting money in the hands of, do- of those people then you don't get the traction that yeah. you deserve. The other people yeah. don't get the traction that you deserve and everything like that. So there are those key elements to it that just made us again had to then the, the third and final one was um structure. Mm. Um, we when we took on those artists, we knew we needed a bigger structure, we needed, we, needed, we needed more funding and whatnot. And we actually sought out for that. That's how we were able to when put out those four projects that yeah, We did a deal um, where um, a part of our company was acquired by a VC, um, and 960 Music was formed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we were then. Consumed. I was then consumed by 960 because I was then head of operations of 960 and head of A&R at 960. Um, my partner was head of business development at 960. So while we were doing 960 and setting that up, we were then rolling out these projects. Um, and the reason said the reason why we did 960 is because we needed that structure to be able to push out five artists. Yeah, you do to, more. two yeah. more and everything and, and, and all that. So it was... we're doing it simultaneously. So it might seem like the fire was not there, but that was the right thing to do. Even after the 960 project didn't work out as it should have, we then reverted into what we're doing right now. And we're like, we have to invest in the structure. We have to invest in our capacity before we keep investing in artists. Because yeah, we've done it with Bernard. No problem. Bernard was me and three of my partners, that's four people. So mm-hmm. let's say, so now you want to then sign, you want to now put out, let's say, sure, if you say it took five people to break Burner and you want to break four more artists, you need about, say, 15 people, a, a good strong team. Sure. From PR to A and whatnot and everything. And we didn't have that. So we then did the 960 thing that before it took off, it crashed. Then we then came back to where we are now. And say, you know what? We're going to focus on building the infrastructure, we've still taken on artists, but we've taken on very like only two artists in the past three years because we know that we still have to build all the facets that will make us be able to push these guys properly. Hmm. Wow, interesting, interesting.
1: Um, PD, we, we haven't had a record label in recent times that have recorded sustained success for upward of 20 years, um, unlike some of our counterparts in the more advanced music industries. Yeah. Um, why is it impossible for us to have that?
0: We're working miracles out here. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. um, it's a thing I said, the structure. Um, but, but one day, I, 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 I say the structure, but at the same time, I, I'm very, very... I don't go to all the um, conferences and the panels and all of that, um, primarily because when i came to lagos or before when i was in port Harcourt, and you go to a conference in nigeria music conference we hear oh we don't have structure alaba is doing this and whatnot and whatnot and i found those panels to be more of um, opportunities for whoever is organizing them to raise money from sponsors number one and just places for people to just complain and not do anything um so there's a lack of action um proper action there's a lot of show not enough business going on Hmm. like a lot of people are oh go and climb the stage and give the big (laughs) talk and say whatever then okay what are you doing when you get off that stage are you are you making the right investments you're talking about there's there's um there's oh alaba is whatever and whatnot and whatnot but i've been distributing my music digitally since 2012 exactly so and that solution has been there, but in, if, you, if you check 2012, people are, will be complaining about distribution. I've, I was watching a documentary from Bill Gates where he was trying to design a toilet that didn't need them um, I think he didn't need water electricity or something because it was like to be able to solve the problems in Africa, you have to be able to build over the complexities of the structure you can't the, it's almost like the ground is so you can't go start digging up cables and mm-hmm. whatever. Just be, it's, already, it's already messy. You have to create, build around it. That's why the telcos are so successful because they came in, landline has not even really reached its full potential. Mobile came in and mobile, it was able to connect everybody. So you have to have that mindset where like, technology will be the key to, to solve most of our problems and has proven to be the key to solve most of our problems. The internet, um, digital distribution, marketing, whatnot and whatnot so social media these tools have are there for us to use but a, for a long time i think the guys the the guys in the industry were not paying attention to what tools were present and available and were still maybe be looking for government to come in to i don't really know i don't really understand when and i said that there are piracy issues and whatnot that's not a problem but um to I don't really know what people want government to do. Government hasn't done their basic job of taking care of the country, so coming to come and help us in the music industry is <laughs> a bit far fetched. They it can't. Is, they ha- it they is. haven't put they haven't put food and proper healthcare for everybody or jobs for everybody. But we're expecting them to come and fix our <laughs> industry. I think we had to. We a lot of people had to have the mindset of that we had to do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. But it was just like I said, a lot of talk and no action. Um, the few labels that that had tried and i and i give everybody um, because i wouldn't be here if not for Kenny or Absolutely. or Storm or there's the guys the guys that did Shank... Um, Shank. Starfield, Starfield um, or question mark question hmm. or like every single person that had take that take that took money from their pocket mm-hmm. to invest in an artist or the business opened or planted or um, had laid some level of the foundation and it's off that foundation that the aristocrats, Chalk City, and whatnot are building Uh off of. And then we're also hoping that with the foundation that we are building, more people will build off of that. It's unfortunate that we don't we don't see the, like you said, labels last for twenty years or whatever years and whatnot. And it, and I think it's it's um it's not even the the it's the environment, it's the climate. It's 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 um it's difficult to do business here as a business person, whether you're doing um manufacturing or whatever it is. It's already difficult to do business here. Then you're doing music or entertainment. That exactly. Is, it then becomes. 10 times more difficult and you really have to um, be very passionate about it hmm. to stick it out. Let, 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 let's, let's go very um,
1: <laughs> deep now. Yeah. Um, considering all these factors that you just outlined, would you say that um, the label business in Nigeria is a good business? I mean, would you, would you advise a friend to invest
0: in the in this business today? Um, not as a pure label. Okay. Um, you, just because of the way the industry is, is right now, I think our industry is mostly, um, we we're talking about this the other day where I was like, there, are, they are PR, PR people in, 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 um, that are making more money, money than managers. Um, they are video directors that are making more money than record labels. Um, the distribution companies that are building multi-millionaire studios from just offering services, not actually even developing the artists and mm-hmm, investing. Mm-hmm. They're just offering services. So you have to, as a, as a media entertainment business, whether it's movies, music, um, whatever it may be, you have to have some service components um, a perfect example. One thing that actually hurt me over the past couple years is seeing EME step out from the music space. They're doing great stuff in the media and marketing space mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. even even the movie space. Mm-hmm. But the, the, I don't see, I think Bank is a wonderful AR that needs to still be in the music space. But I understand the frustration that the label business or whatever the profit margins and whatnot might not be. As great as when you're doing service um, but the skills that he's using in the media the marketing skills he's using for the movies and whatnot will still be very very instrumental for an artist or the, his just understanding of building brands will still be very very crucial in building this i'm sure these are skills he even picked up from the music industry yeah so, so 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 for me like if you're doing that um we just have to build we have to create a format for ourselves where, and, and the funny thing is like, if you look globally, that's what's happening. So if you look at like a rock nation, they have, they've moved from just being a label. A label is part of one thing that they do, but they have so much other components that they've built. So I think we need more of those type of systems or structures where it's not just a pure record label, because that's what to be more profitable in this market. If you're operating here as just a pure label, where your core business is selling records, and you're not able to export that music to the diaspora market or internationally, then you're not going, you're not building a sustainable business. Hmm. Show money is not is not sustainable money. Endorsement money is not sustainable money. If economic crisis hits and whatnot, but you see when um, the economy is bad and people are in their feelings, they'll go and still stream the, their favorite songs and whatever. It's like alcohol in in prime times of the, um the pressure on the price of beers skyrockets. The, <laughs> the, the earnings from beers skyrocket, but champagne and other luxury goods would, would dip. So I, it's just understanding the market that you're in and building a model that works. And that's what we are trying to do. And that's what I feel like anybody that wants to have longevity in this business should look at it and say, you know what? These, as you said, the skills that I'm learning from this music thing how can I take those skills and convert them into a service? Oh, I'm a great artist manager. I'm a great talent manager. Brands are always looking for people to manage talents for all these their campaigns. Okay, take that skill and go go to a brand and say, "Look, I manage six artists. Let me which campaigns do you have? Let me manage. Let me handle the artist talent management for you." Um, or I'm a great music producer. Go to the bank and say, "Oh, you know what? I want to produce a score for you and whatnot." But that's that's the thing to to operate as a pure, biz- a pure record label in this market. I wouldn't advise anybody. Hmm. Wow, interesting, interesting.
1: Um, the world and indeed um, the 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 music business has become so data crazy and data driven. Yeah. So, PD, is there still room for for your hunch, room for your feeling. Where you say you know what the numbers are saying this but I feel like this is what I'd like to do.
0: Yeah, I think the the um social media as I say, is is a big component of how we how things are, are being consumed, music and everything. So and followers, analytics and data and all those things are really really important, but it is it, it's still the music business. It's still, it's still those other elements. As much as you you want to package, which is what you you want to package online, and you want to post the best ten seconds of a song and whatnot and everything and whatnot. When to get real conversions, I believe all the factors that people were were there before. Maybe the content of the music, as you said, or whatever I give you that haunted. Oh, this person is a great performer, um, because. Live is still a very, very active part of the business. Mm-hmm. And you can fake it on social media, but you can't fake it when your fans come out to see you at a sure, show. True. So if you don't find somebody that is a good live performer or work on developing your live performance skills, you're going to remain an Instagram artist. An Instagram artist or um, or social media artist, to me, come and go the way the Instagram comedians come and go. <laughs> like There's always a new Instagram... Shade. <laughs> no, there's always a new Instagram comedian that is hot for six months. Then everybody gets tired of this Yeah. and whatever, but Basket Mouth is still touring. Mm. But you can't get on stage and do what Basket Mouth does True. and whatnot. So it's like you have to be able to take it. It have to be the real deal. Hmm. Take it off Instagram. And the only thing that for me, I trust more than metrics is my instincts in terms of determining that this is what is cool and this is what is hot and everything. I consider the metrics, the analytics and all those things and those decisions but down to it, if I say, like, if I sign an artist that has the best looking Instagram page but in, when you see him in reality does not represent that, then he's not going to be successful. Forget the followers, forget forget all that because those fans at one point would want to see you in real life. And then if you can't translate what you're translating online to them in real life, you lose them. Hmm.
1: Well, um, can, can we talk about nine sixty music for for a bit? Um, what was the need for a super label, you know, and, um, how did that venture go? Um,
0: as I said, the need for, for us, it was growth. Um, Burner was the first for me, first artist, first discovery. Um, and we wanted, we felt like we had guys that we could do that with over and over again, but we needed the right structure from um, staff strength to money yeah. to be able to build that. And we, while we were on that search to find the right partners for that, we ran into um, some individuals that were um, that had money to invest in in music or wanted to, but had the same vision and everything. Um, We had our view. We had our our, how it should work. They had their own idea. I think, um, I think at the point where we met them, they were focused on doing hypertech for Two-Face. Then they met us. Then by the time they met us, we then became, okay, why don't we do a a super label and form like a group? Hmm. Um, And they were like, we tossed ideas back and forth. And whatnot, there was there were funds available. We put that together, um, and we hit the ground running. Um, we, of course, the first two labels that were ingrained was of hypertech and Aristocrat. Um, we we acquired our third label, which was a gospel label, um, Spaghetti Records from um, Mike Abdul from the, of the Midnight Oh group. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did that. Um, I was also looking to. Cause I was, cause since I was head of A&R and, um, operations kind of acquired, kind of leading the runs for acquisitions was like my thing. I started, um, speaking to Cobams and the camp guys, because again, I felt like they had something good going on. Yeah. I started speaking to, um, what's their name or, uh, um, the Group boys. They were Ooh. not a label at that time, but I was like, I want to form, I wanted, I wanted to make group music, an actual label of India, young girl. Um, chopsticks and whatnot, and whatnot. Um, so, like d- those were the supposed to be the f- first five um, that we were going to build and everything. But as um, and it was supposed to be a three-year plan. Um, we ran. We spent um, a good portion of the money that we had in eight months, um, and there was there were plans for. So a second round of funding and whatnot and this thing. And then once that didn't come through, we had to sit back and look at the business again. And then we started we diversified into going more into service because Mm -hmm. we had to to now focus on revenue generation since our funding didn't come through. Mm -hmm. And then we just, from there on, the investors were not patient as usual. Um, They saw it was too long of a road and decided to kind of pull out. Um, and once they pulled out everybody went back to doing their own thing well, well, what doing. Um, and we were believed that you know we were we the model is there you know the service and product and service model as I call it yeah. you produce this product you offer this service you produce the music you offer the, you offer the skills that you learn from producing the music you offer them as services you promote the music you offer that as a service so that was the product and service model that was there that we're like you know what let's run with that um, and then we reject things as aristocrat um built built it out a bit more, and here we are now lovely 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 um
1: it, it, it appears that artist development has grown um unpopular yeah. over the years is this hurting
0: the industry yes it is it's, it's the it's um i say sometimes things go viral and the guy that made it go viral doesn't even understand. There's no continuity. Yeah. He cannot replicate, replicate it. it. Because he doesn't know. He doesn't know why he went viral. He got lucky. He just got lucky and everything. And so, but well, if you develop and you understand where, how you got to this point, you know how to build it further. You've, you've already gone through, you've either made mistakes, you've learned from those mistakes and whatnot. just the, a process of development in sense. It means that you've gone from point A to B and usually you're at a better place where you understand you all the phases and all the stages that of working. Okay, you know, maybe I wasn't a great writer. I've worked on my songwriting to the point where I'm a better songwriter. I've worked on my my stage performance where to the point I'm a better performer. I've worked on my interview interviewing skills, my press skills, where I'm a, i can actually sit down like I the when I say my my um role model is Barry Gordy because of his they had a uh, what they call it or the factory like a factory line system yeah you go from songwriting to etiquette to dance rehearsals to so you're you're being taught every component how to speak how to how to dance how to sing how to perform how to write and then you produce a well-rounded artist. Basically what the K-pop
1: guys are doing. Yeah. Just that they've taken it a yeah. bit so too they, far. They, no,
0: they've, they, they've gone. You, can, you, don't even, you don't have to have a face in K-pop. They will just put you through the system and everything. There are a lot of, 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 a lot of art schools that also kind of feed the K-pop industry and everything like that. But it's, it's, it's that important. You, you must develop a culture of excellence. You must develop it if you want to be on top of the game. You cannot be the top guy I know a lot of people might look at people and say, "Oh, these guys are not really working hard and whatnot and whatnot." Yes, but there must be something that this person is great at that is keeping him at that top. Example, Davido. I think Davido is one of the best ANRs that we have. I agree. I he agree. has a dope ear for music. He knows how to pick hits. You're the second person saying that on
1: this podcast.
0: Oh, okay, that's great. <laughs> so, like, seeing seeing that, and that's what's going to keep. And again, he's a hard worker. So you can you might you can diss him and talk about he's not cannot write and whatnot and everything and whatnot. He might not be fully well rounded, but he's 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 so great at those things that it can keep him up there for so long. Hmm. So that's like my thing. Wiz is just a very, very strong brand from look, and then he also understands his core audience and his core fan base, and he's built... Wiz is a guy that a lot of our... a lot of people that are maybe like in their 20s right now, he was the, like their first star. True. First Nigerian star. True. So They hold on to it, they went to his concerts, and whatever. So there, there, there are some things, there are elements that you'd see in these guys that you have to know that okay, maybe they are not as I said. they are holes in this, but they are so strong in particular areas that that's why they are up there. Um And again, because we we we've also not built the culture of developing well-rounded artists. We still, I don't think. I think, um Brenner's first concert in Port Harcourt, he had to perform live with a band. Nice. And he had band rehearsals. There's a there's a, there's a video footage of of that when this was in 2000 and whatnot. So when you when i see him do a two-hour sets and he has gotten so much better now it, like it, it, wow that's development that's artist development and it's like i remember his first show at calabar carnival in 2010 and i know where how how far he's gone that's the hard work he puts in that's those are the rehearsals again he's on the road so much he has he's built a great um, synergy with his band mm. and whatnot. So it's 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 things like that. So you, his live performance the same thing he do the same energy he puts in the live performance the same energy he puts in writing the music or producing the music is actually that particular about it. So you're going to see him develop you're going to see him grow and he's going to get even better hmm. because he's not stopping. Nice. Okay, um
1: this question is about Nigerian labels. <laughs> you know, so um a, a a few of our labels have um fallen into the trap of signing more artists than I believe they can cater to. Isn't this a problem? At some point you feel like these people are just um throwing stuff on okay. the wall
0: and um hoping something sticks. Like like I said, so when we when we after we d- signed the first four guys and we had we we had to go and get funding and all that mm-hmm. to do that. And then that stopped and we came back into the this, this system here that we are now. We, it took us... We started in 2006. We didn't sign an artist till 2017. 2016. We didn't sign an until 2017. Nice. And we only really had one artist then. Because, again, we were investing in developing the structure that is going to cater for these artists. And it, we've always seen challenges because it's like you're building something and at the same time you're trying to promote an artist. We wish... I, I sometimes wish we could have just stopped... I'm built to where we were ready, but the way this market is, never time. you know, sometimes you might you might feel like you're ready and you're not ready. Yeah. So we've we've. I, I'm not really a big fan of what you're. The same thing. Honestly, I'm the same thing with you. Is like, if you don't have the capacity to do it, don't take it on. It is great to want to be the artist, the label that um, has five artists, but you don't want to be the label that oh, I've signed or like. Seven or ten artists have come out from my. I've passed through my label, and I only have one or two success stories. That that turnover is really really. Seven big. is even small.
1: Some people have over ten. No, that's, that's
0: <laughs> what I'm saying. So like, <laughs> with, with with aristocrat, we're barely at. We're are still we're we're maybe this is our our uh, seven. We're maybe seven artists. Yeah, and we've we've at least produced a global superstar mm-hmm, from mm-hmm, that seven. Mm-hmm. So. One out of seven in the music business is not because they would so tell you. Um, big exec will tell you that you sign ten people, you put them out there, and the one that goes will pay for the rest. So the, the odds are usually that that low. Yeah. And whatever, then you look at okay, out of that out of that ten. Maybe some had potential here, some had potential there. Okay, you reinvest in those ones and give them more time. They're the ones that you look at thinking, you know what, well, this one is too far off, I let go and whatnot. That's usually the process and what and whatnot. So for me, I always look, look at it like, I'm going to take my time mm-hmm. and whatnot. I think a lot of people, do they, uh, like the way my brain works, the way my brain looks at music and everything is, um, and Two Faced made a, a, um, a comment the other day saying that Neymar, and messi might be dominant right now but doesn't mean Pele and Mar- maradona are not any are not relevant anymore sure. and the reason why i like that is that i, I always compare music and the way they t- develop talents in in sports yeah i think they're the same thing hmm. and the way superstars come out too so there's always there's like ronaldo and messi have been dominant for like six seven years the same way you think at drake drake has been dominant for about eight ten years there are always going to be those superstars that are dominant, and then they're going to be a bunch of good players. Mm. They're going to be a bunch of substitutes and whatnot, but the superstars will be the superstars. The coaches are the ANRs. the business managers are the team owners. So I liken myself to I'm a big basketball fan, so, or I say I'm a Mourinho. I'm one of the special ones. I know what like any, like, I can turn any artist around, but I'm focused on. Building this right now My focus right now Is not on Artists It's on building A structure That can produce yes. Multiple artists Sustainable s- Sustainable structure. Yeah mm. So I've done that I've built an artist I've built an artist To one of the highest standards That people have not Literally the African giant Yeah So <laughs> it's not It's not um, That's not a challenge for me Yeah The challenge is being Like I don't As you said There are no labels That have been Here for 10, 15, 20 years The challenge is for me To do that not to build another superstar
1: and um, a lot of people do not know that you continue to um, serve as um, an yeah, R to burn boy
0: yes um, um, how, how
1: could you tell us a bit about
0: that so yeah so um so brother left in 2014 um, we reunited in 2016 um, in 2016 we did a joint venture um, for a project called redemption
1: yeah
0: uh, redemption R redemption put that together and everything and since 2016 I've res- I've been um uh, technically like out of um the the eight nine years bernard has been in music i've not been and R for maybe one year i've not been part of one project which is a second album called on a spaceship every other project that he's had i've a and would i've um executive produced nice one thing or the other um or producers i like for instance we managed kelpie a lot of people don't know that so kelpie of course was i'm the a fan co- yeah lead producer and African giant hmm. and and whatnot. So it's it's um I play the role of A and R an artist manager. His mom plays the role of business manager. Nice. Um I so in terms of apart from just even A and Ring the, the music and the producers he works with, um, working with the visual on the visuals, the directors, yeah. I work closely with Clarence, I work closely with Medji just to make sure that the visuals are fitting fit the the, the music per se. Nice. Um, not nice. we get it right. We're still learning, we're still developing and everything. But I think with um with um with African Giant I'm really, really proud of that project. Awesome. And I feel like we've um we've we've come of age and everything. And I'm and and I'm still probably going to um work on as many more burner projects as I, as as I can because it's a it's a it's a it's a project, it's a person that's um, as I said, I saw when he became burnable. Boy, yeah, and yeah. I've been part of that career, and, and there's no, there's no reason for me to not be part of the career, whether he's signed to me, whether he's not signed to me, or whatever, whatever. I will awesome. always be awesome. Part of that, awesome.
1: Um, PD, I have one last question for right. you. So, um, now we're back in 2009, okay. um, when you officially started Aristocrat Records, what would you do differently with? With the with, with
0: with the benefit of hindsight, of course, um, a lot of things. But um, I think hindsight is just supposed to guide you in your future. Endeavours. endeavors and are not um, not change. You shouldn't you shouldn't want to change anything that you've done in the past mm. per se, because I honestly believe that. Um. Every, every misstep, every good step, every everything that I've done. There's a purpose for it. Um, the the um the producers that we've worked with the the I, I can like a lot of people like call so when when you ask an Nigerians how. They made it, and you say oh, it was God, or and whatnot. And I sometimes I say that, but I can give you instances of how this is what God did in this situation. Because mm. at this point, I didn't even know left or right or what to do at that point. But some some way miraculously something happened, and it worked out. Yeah. So I don't ever look back and say. I'd have done this differently or whatever. I just say, you know what? God wanted that to happen. So, and then I've always seen I've, time and time again, I've always seen that, like I say, okay. Perfect example from where we started, I was a producer. And because I was a producer, because I understand music to the, to the particular level and I could write songs and everything, that led me to be able to find Burner because we created a sound and I found somebody that embodied that that sound. So if I now said, you know what, I should have never gone into production or whatever, I probably would not be at the point where I I, I knew I had a sound in my head that I was looking for, something that I was finding or or whatnot. Um, So I I wouldn't do anything different. I would just use the lessons that I've learned um, in hindsight to make better decisions going forward. I think, as I said, everyone, uh, everyone as far as you're, you're in line with your purpose, as far as you're doing what is in line with your purpose in this life, you are going to shine. That's one thing I tell people. And the hardest thing for people to do in this life is actually to, one, find that purpose and also to walk in that, in that purpose. To and follow through. To follow through with it. And if, if you're able to do both... Like I say I tell people like Bernard is work walking in his purpose. I am working in my purpose. Um a lot of people that are doing what doing well in what they're doing, they are walking in their purpose and there is a there's a um it's a, it's a thing where your purpose most likely is in line with what you're most like what's are your, what you're most passionate about. Um I've been in the music business from producing to writing, to being an artist, um, I've done it. I've, like this mm-hmm. is this is something that I m- my skill sets, The the I graphic design, I produce, I creative direct. So, I would be a miserable person if I was working at exactly an oil and gas company or a bank. <laughs> true, true. Just because, like, I would not like. The God-given gifts and talents that I've been blessed with would not even have an outlet. So I look at myself and I'm like, I, there's nothing in this, nothing in this building. That's one, that's one crazy thing. I might not be the best at it, but there's nothing in this building that we do from sound engineering to video editing to photography to design to production to directing that I can't do. So that's why I'm here. That's why, awesome. that's why I'm building this. Awesome,
1: awesome. PD, thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
0: No problem. It, it,
1: It's always refreshing when you talk to a passionate person who is um, playing the long game. Yeah. Um, thank you for all you do for us. Thank you so much. Thank
0: you. Thank you for having me Thank you. Yeah.